bandwidth for February has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, and let them know that you heard about them here on 5x5. Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland. Dan Auer, San Francisco. This is On The Grid, episode 100. We recorded this episode on January 29th, 2015, here we go. I'm opening the bottle. Okay. Go for it. Do people ever talk about how scary? I mean, champagne bottles are scary, right? That's the whole thing. I don't, I don't drink much, but it's terrifying. It's just like super full of stuff. All right, here we go. Ready? I'm going to pop it. I'm popping it. <laughs> Andy did actually just open a bottle of champagne. We saw it in the video. And now I'm actually drinking it. Happy 100 episodes, gentlemen. Happy 100, 100 episodes, everybody. 100 episodes. Did you think we'd make it, honestly? I don't know. There was a period of time where we stopped doing the show, and I wasn't sure we'd ever pick it back up again, but... We never really fully stop, like, cold stop. There we just like started doing, like, one a month or, so. or something. Yeah, I don't know. There, there was, was multiple uh, months. If yeah, I that's true. Correctly. The only person I talked to about this 100th episode said that they wanted to challenge us not to talk about the fact that it was 100th episode and just completely ignore it, because it was a pet peeve of theirs on podcast, talked about what episode they were on. I don't care. Be happy for us, people. It's too arbitrarily significant. Come on. Just be happy for us. We're, I agree. I'm, I'm really proud that we've done this for 100 episodes. I love doing it with you gentlemen, so Me here's too. to maybe doing this for more time. I agree. Are you guys also drinking champagne, or am I the only ones? I'm, I, I made a drink. I didn't have any champagne, so I just, I, I just made a regular drink, but... Yeah. I figured we'd be drinking for the show. Celebration. Yeah, that'll be different. I don't drink yeah. almost ever, so... Oh, there be, you go. I'll be in rare form. Let's see what happens. Andy, you carry this yeah. thing. This could be bad. This could get real bad. Don't put it on me, man. I don't want you to be able to point the finger when this, when this goes off the rails. Uh, so, I was working on a little project this week. Okay. Um, because, so last week... We had a guest on our show. And do you remember this? I know, Dan, you weren't here. So we, in your place, mm-hmm. we had our friend Soundboard Dan on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he was a huge success. Everybody, I've never had anybody reach out to us about an ad that we've run. And a lot of people reached out and said, hey, I really like that Squarespace ad with Soundboard Dan. Yeah. Uh, before, before you go, I'm yeah. so, so glad that I finally realized why you're so hyped up about bots and stuff and automation. Because I, <laughs> success of the show has gone up because I've been replaced by a robot version of me. Dan, I'm, I'm really sorry to say this, but you're, um, you've spawned a robot version of yourself that can do everything that you do, but on command. So Tell it, tell it to eat a chocodile. Press the eat a chocodile button. <laughs> well, actually, you can probably do that yourself because here's this little surprise. If you guys want to go to your web browser and you oh, want to go to matt.cc slash soundboard Dan. Oh. <gasps> I'm doing it. Oh, this is awesome! It's just like the rap soundboard, but it's Dan. <laughs> I and so you can hit you can hit any sound you want. What's uh actually what was everybody's favorite? Was it boom that happened? Oh, is this beautiful? Shut up, Andy. I can hear that from <laughs> here. Yay! Fun surprise. This is beautiful. Oh, Dan's favorite sounds available for anyone to use. I guess it's a open source Dan kind of Dan. Now you can be on any podcast. Any podcast in the whole world can have their very own Dan to add to. Put them in ad reads, respond yeah. to your comments, tell us how wonderful you are, tell Andy to shut up. Make him endorse your products and projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
spread his opinions to the seas. I have no words. Well, good thing. We have a replacement for you. You have a lot of words. There's so many. So glad you cannot see my face right now. Dan, how do you actually feel about it? Let's have, let's have a moment of, of real talk. Because <laughs> you're not oh, as yeah. excited as I would expect you to be. To be honest, uh, I, thought, I thought you were playing the character of not excited Dan. And now I'm wondering, maybe you don't actually like this idea. And I've gone too far. No, no, okay, so, so I was reading the emails when we were talking. Oh, no, it was the tweets. Because you mm-hmm, were tweeting mm-hmm. me about this. They're very small uh, emails. <laughs> yeah. Um, bite-sized emails. No, I was talking about it with... Angie, because we were walking in San Antonio when uh, you and I were tweeting about this. Yeah, I was like, I I am so not valuable in this podcast that they can literally capture me in little sound bites, and it actually performs better. She's like, Oh, you're just being negative about it. I'm like, No, fuck you. Seriously, <laughs> you shouldn't talk to your wife that way. First of all, second of all, Dan, you just I hope you realize that. We just pulled out the little funny things you say, and, and we dropped them in for two seconds of the show. You're irreplaceable. Oh. And don't worry. I know this now. I had to go through and listen to a lot of old shows, and you actually say a lot of stuff. Turns out. You don't just say, ah, and yeah, and no, and shut up, Andy. More importantly, it, we need someone to say, shut up, Andy. We really, truly do. So, I mean, that's an important role. And, that, and Matt just deciding when to press the shut up, Andy button is not quite the same. You are such an important part of the recipe that is this mildly to low successful podcast we're not going to spend the whole time talking about sound soundboard dan right no of course not i just wanted to share that with you i wanted to make you smile i guess i didn't but i made you something i'm glad we're not doing video because i have like a halfway smile like (laughs) yeah no this is funny yeah okay all right By the way, Andy, I read all of Nimona last night. I am shocked that you did that because it is a lengthy thing to read. How long did it it's take le- you? <sighs> too long. Well, no, not too long. Two hours, I bet. Wow, that's faster than I think I could read the entire thing. But I'm glad really? you enjoyed it or presumably enjoyed it and didn't just feel I really enjoyed it. Captive of it. Uh, no, I just I would have if I don't do things I don't want to do. Uh, I wanted to read it. I thought it was very good. I really enjoyed it. I, I appreciate that the newsletter was working on me. Because first I was like, well, I got to check out what this is. Like, technically, we're all endorsing it, right? We all say it's great, so I should know what it is. So I read a couple of pages, and I'm like, oh, it is actually good. Oh, it's not just a lie. This thing is working. I'm enjoying it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really lie? appreciated it. And I, want, I think I sent you an email about this. I don't, know if you, I don't know how you feel about this. Do you think this was all intentional? The fact that it kind of, like, slowly... By the way, we're talking about a graphic novel uh, or co- online comic, web comic. Mm. that uh, we sent out as a recommendation in our Two Things newsletter yesterday, but we'll also put it in the show notes. Uh, it's really enjoyable. And over a period of time, it kind of evolves from, uh, I would say, like a, a simpler style of rendering and maybe a little bit less, I don't know what. It's a little sketchier looking at the beginning. And as time goes on, it gets a little bit more professional uh, looking. And Andy, do you think that's on purpose because of the way the story is structured? Or did it just happen and it seems to be perfect? I do not know for sure, but I think it is just a happy accident, more or less. My understanding, I mean, she started the project as part of her senior thesis at MICA. She was a few years behind me. And I think, Oh, I didn't know MICA too. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's how I was first became aware of it, is that she was also going to MICA. Mm. And um, so she started as part of her senior thesis. And I think, like, 
we were actually watching her like style as the comic evolves evolve with it, which is the most beautiful thing about it. And I also think there's like, you know, she started it off while she was in school, and I think she did the first couple chapters maybe before she graduated, and then uh, it became immensely popular, and so she continued doing it, presumably with a little more time on her hands when she was out of school, and so she had a little more time to pour into it, and there was mm. a bunch of interest, and I think it started to become... Uh, had, had the promise of possibly you know paying off in some way financially so she could really pour some time into it so it, the the comic itself like the the format and the actual execution evolves with the story in a way that is really compelling and i think just a happy accident i'm not positive but i think that's it the works case. perfectly it works perfectly with the story so i just i wasn't sure i knew it happened over a long period of time but it's perfect for the character it's not just that it like gets better, but like you know the character design changes a little bit, and the, the yeah. setting changes a little bit as she's kind of like settling in on, you know, what the actual voice is going to be of the comic you know, in a way that I think is really it's rare I think to be able to see that like exposure to the creative process in such a polished and finished piece. So it's great. I'm surprised that it kind of uh, yeah I can't think of a project that like has that much of a lifespan from the beginning, of, not the beginning of someone's like career or whatever you know whatever you want to call it creative output but it seems like pretty early in her creative output to like being kind of a pro at it uh i don't think i i would i wish i would have kept something up so i could kind of track my my own skill set over a period of time like in a way that's easy to judge yeah it's, it's pretty really cool. beautiful it's quite yeah. great so check it out if you haven't and I'm, I'm really impressed you read it in one night matt that's uh that's some speedy Speedy comic reading. I guess I don't know. I, I read it largely as it was coming out, so I don't know how long mm. it would take me to read it all in one sitting. Did you spend any time looking at the comments on each of the posts? No, I read every little caption underneath it, and I really, after I realized that was there, I yeah. really enjoyed it. That's a really but nice no, part, too. didn't want to read. I've, I've learned to not read the comments, but maybe this is a different story. I don't know. The, the comments here are a really amazing example of like how dedicated her, her fans are of the, of the, sh- of the comic. Oh, okay. I, I think they're being pulled in. Like, I think it's a discuss module. It's pulling in like Facebook comments and stuff from all over the place. But mm-hmm. you know, especially in the later com, the later panels, the bottom of everyone has you know people in it that are posting their fan art or posting their uh, real life armor they made in the style of one of the armors from the characters in the thing. Uh, and there's like a lot of really interesting, very very dedicated people in in the sort of comment section that I think. It's interesting to me because comment sections so often do devolve into just like horrible crap. And yeah, when, they, sure. when they don't do that, they're usually worthless, right? Like even if they're not devolving into horrible crap, it's just kind of extra crap on the page that doesn't enhance the experience at all. But you get the sense that like people actually formed a really tight-knit community just around this little comment section at the bottom of each of these panels, which I think is part of the like doing it o- over a course of time. Like the fact that this was coming out twice a week for a couple years allows yeah. you to do that whereas if she were to release it there wouldn't be this kind of community around it but it's very interesting uh, and i actually have read quite a few of the comments just to see how people are reacting well, maybe i'll give it a second look then uh i guess we should be coming back to these things right look at your fish andy look at your fish look at your fish look at your fish it's already february what are you waiting for? Invest in yourself this year and start learning something new at lynda.com with a free 10-day trial. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All their courses are taught by experts and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, invest in a new hobby, find a new job, or improve in your current skills, 
lynda.com has something for everyone. Sign up for your free 10-day trial today by visiting lynda.com slash OTG. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash OTG. And you'll get unlimited access to every course on the site, the ability to view tutorials on your iPhone and Android devices, and access to new courses added every week. Linda has a few suggestions that they think you might be interested in, creating with Adobe's line and sketch apps, the science and logo design, and the fantastic trilogy documentary set Helvetica, Objectified and Urbanized by Gary Hustowit. They also ask that I recommend a course. And it seems to work out that every week I have some new obsession that I can look up on Linda.com, see if it exists. Well, this week I've been trying to learn processing, um, dealing with interactive and random data to create visualizations. And guess what? I typed processing into Linda.com and I found interactive data visualizations with processing. Perfect. Invest in yourself and sign up for a free 10-day trial to Linda.com by visiting Linda.com slash OTG. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash OTG. Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015. So we had another idea for this show, which we should bring up. I don't like the idea of doing a clip show, right? Like, I feel like people... I hate clip shows. Yeah, they're, they're bad. I hate them. Uh, I mean, I think oftentimes they're kind of a device to give the cast and writers of a show a break. Where, right. you know, it's like around the holidays, you'll get a clip show of The Simpsons or whatever, because they don't want to write a whole new episode because it's too much work. But there's no reason for us to do that, because this isn't any work. We just sit down in front of microphones and say stupid words out of our face. So that's not hard work. There's no reason to give us a break from that. Doing a clip show is more work for me. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just make, make Matt edit a whole bunch of clips together. But I, I thought myself. it would be interesting to kind of, in the spirit of the show, which I think we've landed after 100 episodes on a spirit of kind of thoughtfulness and uh, criticality of the world that... That's a word? Is it a word? I think it is. In the spirit of our show being very thoughtful and critical... We thought it'd be interesting to look back into our back catalog and have each of us find something that we ourselves said on the show that we now disagree with or think was stupid or a dumb thing to say or would otherwise like to argue against our past selves, which I think is only fair because we spend so much time sort of picking apart the blog posts and the arguments of others that we should do it to ourselves as well. So we're going to do that, right? Did you guys look back through the back catalog and find... I did. Yeah. I hate to break to you guys. It turns out I was right this whole time. So <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll pass, but you guys are welcome to go. You wow. listened to all You listened to all 99 <laughs> episodes. I listened to every single one, spent all 100 hours, and goddamn, I wasn't right every single second. But, you know, Ooh. you guys were wrong a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, tell me about it. You guys, <laughs> you guys like to take it away. No, I have my topic. I have my <laughs> idea. Did you guys... Did you find it excruciating? Oh, or God, it was okay? so excruciating. It was hard to pick out of all the dumb things I've said. First of all, if you've li- listened to this podcast since episode one and are still listening, who are you and why? Good God. Like, oh. Thank you, I guess. And person. also, please go get your head checked out. Sometimes people ask me if I, they should start at the beginning, if they're going to start no, the show. And I say, no, no, no. 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 Start at like 20. Start at like 50. Don't go to the beginning. That's crazy. We don't even have like recurring jokes, really. I just start at the newest ones and work backwards, I would say. And then when you mm-hmm. get to the things that are time sensitive, that's when the show's bad. And so stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we spent a lot of time. First of all, I have to say, Matt, I, this is the kind of just like Nimona, your, your editing has gotten better every single week. And I, I didn't notice. So I went back and listened to the early episodes. And now mm-hmm. the production quality is like dramatically different. But 
on a week-to-week basis, I didn't notice it getting that much better. So kudos to you for improving your craft. Yes, thank uh, the you. Show I've thought about it a lot, actually, so I appreciate that. The show sounds episode, way better now. Uh, the early episodes were excruciating, like the music was too loud, it blasts you out. Yep. I, under- I understand some of those survey questions now. We were like, change the music, it's too much. I get it. Yeah. Also, remember when we all used to say, let's go together at the beginning of the episode? Oh, man. You know, that I, was your I idea. I totally I'm, forgotten I'm about saying that. that was your idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I will take I'll, I'll take the fall for that idea. It was dumb, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we, we did that for a while. It was, yep. we also, we were trying so hard back then to, like, do something meaningful, it feels like. Like, the words we chose and the way it was structured, and we yep. spent so much time saying things were interesting and blah, 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 blah. That I feel like we were just trying very, very hard, and I don't—I don't, I'm feel like I'm not trying that hard anymore. He says as he takes a big slug of champagne, so maybe that's the difference. Who wants to go first? I'll go first if you want. Yeah, well, you want to take it away, Matt? Mine was a. This was kind of a recurring thing that came up over and over again because I listened to—I want to say I listened to like. Not everyone, obviously, but maybe like 10. I'd say I tried to pick 10. Did you listen to them at high speed or 1x? No, just listened. Just listened. And the thing that came up over and over again, it's not a specific moment. It's a theme. And it was the way that I reacted to like identities in the world. And more like my reaction to the world's reaction to rebrands and identities and things changing. And I, I was listening to myself talk about it and just like... It's not even the specific things I said. Like, I could feel myself hedging my bets as I was talking, but I was coming from, I was being so defensive as I talked because I knew what I was doing. What I was doing was I was basically trying to defend my own work via other people's stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Episode 22 Matt gets defensive. I do, I do wonder what moving forward looks like because we now know that this is the, the atmosphere we live in, this is the world we live in where everything you do is under scrutiny. And people will react probably negatively to anything. I, I honestly cannot think of a rebrand that is going to get people's positive attention. Can you guys think of a rebrand that, that people loved right away? Hmm. I know it's going to take like 20 minutes, so I won't waste the podcast. I'll keep, I'll keep <laughs> thinking. You go ahead and keep talking smart yeah. words. I was listening to, I was like looking at the UC rebrand. Remember, remember the, that UC rebrand that everybody oh, lost yeah. their minds about? Yeah. Just barely. Yeah, it's foggy. so I remember talking about that, and I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about my own work mm-hmm. and being defensive of my own work and yelling at all the people that I had read mean Twitter messages about. And it just got me thinking, like, I don't think I said anything particularly stupid. I just think the way I was approaching it is that everybody is just like a mass of morons yelling about a thing that they don't understand. And not taking as much time to maybe understand why they're actually upset about something, um, which probably in the long run is going to help make things better by just take the time to think about why, like, why are they angry? And we talked about those things. We talked about why people are upset about the UC rebrand. We talked about why people are upset about, I don't even know what came up during our, our tenure as on the grid hosts, like the American airlines rebrand, the Sagmeister rebrand, mm-hmm. the, or, Excuse me. We talked about the New York Public Library wanting to change their the way their system works um, of checking books out. We talked about the Shard opening in London and the public reacting to that. Um, and every time, I could just hear myself defending my own work through every story that came up. Uh, and it's something that I'd like to 
think about a little bit more and maybe change and try to actually try to consider why people are upset um, and not just constantly stand up for myself. So do you think that's like a thing that we should all, you included, try and get better at and try and remove ourselves from these conversations? Or do you think that's in it, an inevitability and we should just be more I'm not sure. transparent the, about it? The re- I think maybe just be more transparent about it. I don't know if I was ever going to remove myself from the conversation. Like, I can't remove myself from my opinion. That would be... It would be a dumb show. I think it would be a really bad show if I just tried to be an objective nobody. But I think maybe be a little bit more transparent about what I'm actually talking about and what, like where I'm coming from. Maybe it's very obvious. Maybe everybody knew this whole time. But me listening back to myself say it, I could, I could just feel it. I could just tell what I was doing. And it was too, too obvious to me. It was like, oh, you are, not, <laughs> you are not talking about anything but yourself right now. I don't know the, yeah, I don't know the solution to it. I think maybe I'd sh- I should just be more aware of it so I know when I'm doing it and try to come from a different place um, and be a little, be, uh, take a couple more sides on it. Don't just keep going at that one angle. That's something, I, you know, I, I came at it hard on that Hessian episode. I was so uh, mad at that Hessian rebrand. <laughs> oh, well, it's not a rebrand, way, the, the brand yeah, right. for Sorry, sale. Sorry, the brand. Like, yeah. I was so mad at the, at the Hessian idea, like attacking everything I do every day. And I was like, how dare you? How dare you, Hessian? You can't take just this sit in the garage branding. and pick colors you, and you shapes. You can't just make it up and think it's going to work. By the way, I, maybe I was right. I don't think that sold, right? So it, maybe I should just keep doing what I'm doing. I've seen Ben talk about the fact that it did sell, and I think it's going to see the light of day at some point soon. Oh, I would like that. I think I said it was like a 1% chance that it would ever do anything. It's a stupid idea, and it's probably a hoax. Well, we'll see. We'll he, I think I remember him tweeting that it's sold and it also he included like some like some amount of his contract work with it. So he like started working for the company that bought it for a little while as a contractor to help them implement it or something. But I have not heard hmm. anything else. And that was a long time ago. So who knows? But well, this, let's follow up on that. But, anyway. but this thing you're talking about, though, of, you know, kind of being more transparent about how much of like, you and your personal experience and, you know, your personal. I don't know, you're saying you have like skin in the game, right? Like you're not saying that you these topics are hitting close to home in a way that you think may be changing your judgment in a way that you can't possibly alter. And, yeah. you know, is that a thing that is okay to talk about? Can we just talk about the fact that we are all super biased and only know the small amount of things we've experienced? I, um, I've been thinking about that a lot because I think sometimes the, the flip side of, you know, I, I think we really all value thoughtfulness. That's kind of become the theme of the show in some ways, like trying to get mm-hmm. to the bottom of things and see all sides and, be very sort of careful but the flip side of that i think is that if you really look at all sides and consider them all there's like a a positive way and a negative way to spin almost everything so i've been thinking about to kind of go back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago you know i've been working on my talk that i'm going to give in st louis in now Mm -hmm. three weeks and i actually gave kind of a, a shorter dry run of it to a micah class i was speaking to this past week and the thing i was struggling with is like there's kind of two you can kind of put most talks like that into two bins and one bin is the personal experience, here's my work bin. And those talks very often kind of come off sounding like the Darius Kazemi, I won the lottery kind of talk where right. you say what you did and you inadvertently or advertently make it seem like that's the way to be successful. And the other kind of talk is like a concept-focused talk where you kind of come to the talk where it's not so much about you, at least not, you know, apparently, and you have like an idea you want to communicate or some sort of theme or something you need to get across that isn't directly related to your work, so you say, or so the talk is designed. And I, 
you know, the positive of both of those, like the positive of the talking about you and your experience is that that's what you know most intimately. It seems the most honest and transparent just to talk about what you've done and, you know, what you've learned. Uh, and the positive of the sort of talking about an idea is that, you know, in some ways it seems less narcissistic, less egotistical to be like, here's an idea that we can talk about instead of just talking about me this entire time. Uh, and then the negative side of both of those, you know, the negative side of talking about yourself the entire time is it does seem like you have some big ego. You're going to spend an hour talking to a bunch of students about how great you are and all the stuff you've done. Even if, even if you're talking about yeah. your failures, it's still, there's still a sense of ego there. And then sort of the negative side of talking about an idea is like, who are you to think you have an idea that's worth communicating that's objective and somehow beyond your experience? Uh, and so there's like all these different ways you can cut up everything. And so I, I worry sometimes that I'm overthinking things and too often looking on the negative side of, of that. So maybe it's just a matter of embracing the fact that like you have experience designing things, putting them into the world and having people get pissed off about it and be sort of shallow in comment sections and just like talk shit on it. Uh, that's never happened to yeah. me. I don't know if it's ever happened to Dan, uh, but that's experience that maybe makes your voice more valuable in those conversations than, than it would be without that experience. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, but I don't think that detracts from what I'm saying in that I should probably just be more transparent about where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, because when I listen back, what I hear is, like this disguised tone or like me holding back a little bit. And I think it would be, I think it would be a better conversation if I just said here, like I'm talking about this specifically, this is what happened to me. This is why I think this. And then talk about the other thing as opposed to just being like, I'm going to pretend like I'm removing myself from the conversation without doing so in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh And I guess the reason you probably don't do that is you don't want to give people a reason to discount your voice subconsciously, mm-hmm. right? You don't mm-hmm. want to be like, here's a reason why I'm right, because totally biased. Like, oh, he, you know, it's like it's like losing a game. Oh, he's salty. He's just mad about losing the game, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's uh people discount you for being too far in it, right? You don't you yep. can't have an opinion if you're too far in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um I don't know. When I think back on it, the earlier shows, I think we we're all a bit standoffish on trying to put our inject our own uh, experiences into things and we're just trying to objectively analyze stuff and over time the show has just gotten more and more to a point where we're actually um, including our personal experiences into things so I think like naturally the show has gotten more towards that point and I can see like mm-hmm. like honestly when you were talking back in the past with like the Hessian stuff in, in UC Berkeley like <laughs> I think it's just because I, I knew you in real life uh, beforehand like I kind of yeah. knew you were doing that anyways but, sure. I bet you guys knew, but I don't know if everyone in the audience knows our backgrounds well enough to be like, well, of course, this is what what's happening. Yeah. I, and I struggle with that a lot, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Uh, I feel like Andy is a little bit more about sharing everything and I'm a little bit more about keeping it keeping it guarded. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think, Dan, maybe you fall a little bit in, in between, even though I know you're you're. Your persona on the show is the guy who talks a little bit less. I think you're pretty honest when you do. Yep. Um, I think you're pretty, even if it's something that's very close to you and, uh, maybe, may even affect your life. I think you're really honest about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, seriously, as much as we joke about soundboard Dan, like, I think that makes your contribution to the show very valuable. Um, cause you, you don't pull punches and that's what I, that's what I kind of learned listening back is that of all of the three of us, I am the, the least transparent, um, and not that there isn't a place, f- I don't know, maybe there isn't a place for that. It's not even not that sure. being less transparent is any worse, right? These are all coping mechanisms. Like for me, transparency is a coping mechanism because 
the more like it's the way my brain works, the more honest I am, the less you can hold me accountable because I told you what was going on, right? You can't blame me because I was very transparent about what was happening. Right. Um, what is the Mark Twain quote? Like uh, the, the honest man never has to remember what he said. Yeah, yeah like, sure. You don't have to, you, if you just keep, just keep telling the truth that you're just transparent about everything, then you don't have to worry about it. You, everything's out in the open. There's nothing, there's nothing can come out. Which is especially important, honestly, in like our business, right? Like we, we hire people and you know, provide them health insurance and retirement savings and all the benefits that come with, with having a job. And that's a terrifying proposition. And I could not do it if not for the transparency, because the transparency is like, look, here's how much money we're making. Here's all of our rates. Here's our clients. Here's our sales pipeline. Here's all this crap. Uh, if it's going to start going wrong, you're going to know as soon as I'm going to know, and we're going to be able to deal with this together. I couldn't possibly be like, you know, have the people that are just owning the company looking at these numbers and seeing all the information and then processing it and then mm. being this sort of black wall to the outside world, because then there's all this extra accountability, right? It's like, people don't know what the real situation is. And that's how I feel about almost everything in life is that the more transparent I am, it's just like my coping mechanism because it makes me feel less, um, I guess, like less, uh, less scrutinized when I'm transparent. Right. Yeah. Unless degree. you have to control, right? You don't have to, once it's out there, you don't have to control it anymore. Yeah, it's... a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, like if from my side too, I think that if I'm being serious, then I, I'm just kind of open. I kind of just don't care. Uh, but any other time, I think you guys figured out that I try to spin as much as I can into a joke because that's how I cope with pretty much everything. Uh, oh, don't worry, Dan. I'm right there with yeah, you. Yeah, and like a big part of it, too. I'm is, not. I'm serious. I hate jokes. Oh, I know. I know. Um, but what I have noticed is that I think as more time has passed, I think my humor's gotten a lot, a lot more dark. Like there was those emails <laughs> that we were passing by and you were like, man, Dan, it's serious. I'm like, no, I'm not. But this is fucking funny. And uh, I find myself often in those cycles where I get to a point and I don't know if we're having fun anymore. Like, I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun, but like, I don't know if everybody's having yeah. fun. Yeah, no, like, uh, that is what adulthood is. That's adulthood right there. Yeah, but seriously, you look though, around, like, you right, don't know if you're all having fun anymore. Right. I, I'm having a good time, but I don't know if everyone around me is. I hope this is okay. Yeah, no, uh, right when I figured out that, like, in your mind, that. Like, you are more anxious because you think, like, you did a bad thing with me with the soundboard thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to roll with this shit for weeks. This is, well, all right, you got me there. That's kind of cruel, I think, a little bit. No, I said. It's, it's like, my big fear really in dark. life is that I, I push something too far. This has happened to me a lot in my life. Really? Where I push a joke too far, I offend someone greatly, and things aren't ever quite the same. No. Well, so but, a, but if is that person that really meant to be your friend though, Matt? Like if, if that's where you want to go with it, like you got to be you. And if that person takes it personally, then maybe your friendship is just not going to be totally, you know, copacetic. It might, that might be true. That might be that, true. That's but my that's my transparent approach. I'm just going to be me. Is that also what assholes say? Like is that what horrible people on the internet also say? I'm not sure. Well, but mm. you are also genuinely thoughtful and empathetic. So I think given that knowledge about you that you can probably feel safe in being who you are without mm. worry about ostracizing all people close to you. Mm. I can promise you this. You can never take a joke with me too far. It's never happened in 26 years with anybody. So feel free to try. I will probably just laugh a lot. Okay, deal. We'll try. We'll try our best. Dan, you want to go next or you want me to go? Sure. Yeah. So since Matt was all atmospheric and very vague about his thing, I decided that I'm going to follow suit. So nothing specific. It's episode 17, 14 minutes in. Uh, the episode is called Here's Johnny. It was on October 31st. Oh, that was a Halloween episode. Uh, so 
there was multiple parts of that show because that was back in the phase where we were still doing like multiple things per episode. Um, mm-hmm. This one was around Windows 8. I think it was in the preview uh, at that point and wasn't officially out. And a lot of things irked me with that conversation. Um, I think the conversation in general, I wish would have gone differently now that Windows 8 has been out and everything for a while now. Uh, but also, I think the way that I tackled that conversation is a really good example of uh, how, uh, like a thought process that I'm trying to get away from. Um, specifically, I, I spent a lot of time trying to analyze it and compare what Microsoft was doing to Apple. Episode 17. Dan tells us what Apple would have done. That is something that Apple would have done, is if they had to do something new and revolutionary that was a far cry from OSX, and OSX had been around long enough that they knew that they couldn't get rid of it from the start, they would have said, okay, here's the past version of OSX, and then here's the new thing. Eventually, we're going to be completely about the new thing, but we're going to give people a choice for the time being. And like the fact that Microsoft felt like they had to cram that shit together and then have three different versions of that Frankenstein. Oh, it's got awful. And at the time it totally made sense to me because it was like, Oh, it's the two rivals. Of course it's good to compare the two. Uh, But I found that those two companies don't necessarily have the same set of problems that they're trying to solve. Uh, And I thought more about it and realized after looking at windows 10 and the Xbox one interface and all their mobile stuff. And they actually had a really novel approach to the problems that they're trying to solve because it's not so much like, oh, they're trying to make iOS and they're trying to make OS X. What they were trying to do is make Windows for the desktop. They were trying to make mobile stuff, tablet stuff, video game stuff, and they were trying to make it all under one umbrella. And they had a wider array of issues that they needed to solve for because, uh, honest truth, Apple isn't going to try to solve anything that has to be controlled by a game controller, as an example. So uh, taking a look back on it, I wish I would have been a little bit more thoughtful on the bigger problem that Microsoft is trying to solve for themselves rather than trying to be in parity with Apple or with Google. So this is funny. This is, this is a conversation that I think would just this wouldn't happen in, in modern day on the grid, mm-hmm. contemporary on the grid. There's a lot but of things a, that wouldn't happen in contemporary on the grid. <laughs> but it is, a, it is a point of like, building something up in your mind and comparing everything to it. And I think in, well, no doubt in design, Apple's been there for a long time, but I think we all have a version of that. And I've tried to get away from Like, I think my college version of that was just the general idea of modernism. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I build everything up to that. Everything is, this is the pinnacle. And then, you know, ultimately maybe getting a little bit bored or disillusioned or something just because, like, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't live up to the hype in your brain. Like, I don't know, it's, it's just the attending the church of whatever your thing is mm-hmm. never really holds up. Yeah, we're talking about abandoning fanboyism. Right, right, exactly. Or fan culture, whether you're a boy or a girl or a woman or a man or somewhere in between. Abandoning that fan culture, I think, is probably an important step. At least it was for me. No, and I think it is for everybody. Actually, to be honest, it's all, it gets a little surprising when you see adults that are, well, I guess we're adults. <laughs> anyone older than me is an adult. Anyone younger than me is a kid. <laughs> so when adults do that, I'm always shocked. Because I'm like, what? what? You're beyond this. How could you not be beyond this? But there were, there were plenty of times in my life where something was the greatest and nothing could 
Uh, you know, honestly, I probably still have that, and I'm just, I've just shifted. I've just shifted. One thing is the greatest, now the new thing is the greatest. Yeah. I'm going to compare everything to that. I think a big part of that is the process of like learning a new trade or about a new field. Like when I was studying graphic design, there was very much like these canonical things or these themes that if you didn't like, it didn't mean that you had different tastes. It meant that you like didn't get it yet, right? Like right. if you weren't into modernism, it was like, well, what's what's wrong with you? Modernism is the thing. You're just behind. You don't understand. And so there was this like kind of subtle pressure socially to like like Le Corbusier and modernism and all this kind of crap. And then it was really freeing for me at one point where I was just like, wait a minute. I think modern architecture is a total blight on humanity. Yeah, I totally <laughs> think that. Le Corbusier sucks. That's a terrible house. It's a pretty cool drawing and a nice enough rectangle, but a fucking shitty house. And it was very like freeing for me to realize that these things that I kind of subtly felt like I had to like if I was going to be a designer were not at all like imperatives of the field it was just like one particular perspective that seemed objective and seemed like it was the one true mm. way but was in fact just a way and I, I don't know if this was what you meant but this is what rang true for me a second ago is that it, it meant like if you didn't get modernism like there was a point at which you didn't even understand the concept which was a problem yeah is that what you meant? Like you kind don't of. even, and that was because that was a thing. Like there was, there was a point in one's life where you don't understand a concept and then you do. And whether yeah. that's good, like whether the thing it represents is good or bad is doesn't matter, but because you now understand it, it's good. Um, and anyone else who doesn't is, is below you or they, they're not, they're not on the same level yet. And so that automatically like just understanding it like means you love it means that it is great. And then at a certain point you get beyond that because well, you get all the concepts and now you're doing and now you're trying to make something great with that under your belt. But there's a moment where just just simply understanding the concept is like such a an amazing thing that you just have to love it. You can't not love it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think being exposed and aware of all these things only enlarges you and makes you bigger and better and sort of more aware but, you know, there is this pressure where it's like, I, you know, maybe I don't like Vignelli's work, and that's okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make me any less of a graphic designer, because I think that map is not a great map of the subway system. Yeah, maybe. well, nah, that might make you a worse designer. I still like that. Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> My point is just that I, I, think, I think it's a matter of, like, where you perceive yourself in the system. If you perceive yourself as an amateur that's trying to learn, there's a lot of pressure to adopt what seems to be the sort of canon at, at the current time and the canon is constantly evolving and changing and it's very much a reflection of the current trends and so if you have this pressure on yourself to like adopt what everyone that's your age that's in your sort of generation seems to be resonating with then you're kind of just another wave in the trend until you sort of realize that you have your own perspective and that you don't have to like all the things that everyone else likes yeah so i i think i agree and i understand where what you guys are talking about because um like, it's a dumb example, but Angie, a lot of times she'll say like, oh, here, try some wine. And I go, no, I don't like wine. She's like, oh, you just haven't found the wine you like yet. <laughs> and for me, I'm like, no, just give me a beer. I, d I don't want wine. You know, it's one of those things that... What kind of wine is beer? Tell me that, Angie. <laughs> That's the kind of wine that I like. Actually, there's a... Bar it's called barley wine. Barley wine tastes exactly like beer. Really? You're interested. Yep. Okay. I need a How much champagne wine. should I drink, by the way? Whole thing. A bottle. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm about two thirds of the way through that. Okay. Well, there you go. Good work. But, um, yeah. Going back to it, I like there was a point in time where I was trying to be very 
on the bandwagon and try to like what felt like very objective about these sort of things like oh no apple is objectively better because of these reasons like using- all their phones look like the corbusier buildings they must be objectively great yeah and uh, like the whole time in the back of my head i was like you know windows isn't that bad or like all these other things aren't that bad that aren't necessarily popular and uh at some point i just kind of gave up and said like oh no windows is actually not that bad if uh, like i use it pretty often it's not that bad people will get over it Every week on the show, we try to pick a sponsor that we think our audience is going to enjoy. And I think I know exactly what you're thinking this week. You're thinking, hey, Matt, how can I create my Tom Brady's the greatest of all time fan site? Well, guess what? I've got a suggestion for you. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you or your ideas. Squarespace offers simple, powerful, and beautiful tools to create your website 24-7 support via live chat and email, and it's only $8 a month. Plus, you get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the full year. With Squarespace, every template is going to be responsive, meaning that your website is going to scale to look great on any device. They offer a commerce page, so you can sell your fantastic Tom Brady merchandise. Uh, actually, don't get into copyright trouble. I take that back. So you can sell your other stuff on any website. Also, they offer cover pages, a feature that allows you to set up a beautiful, simple, one-page website in minutes. Again, I don't know how you're going to fit all those Tom Brady stats on one single website. It might not be for this page exactly, but I think generally that could be a useful feature for you. So start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code GRID and get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for On The Grid. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and On The Grid. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right, it's my turn now. Unlike both of you wiffly waffly bastards, I picked a specific timestamp. Matt, for Dan your picked a specific timestamp. He said fourteen minutes ish, and he said it wasn't specific. That was sarcasm. I'm telling you, episode fifteen game plan timestamp nine minutes nine seconds. Shit. At this timestamp, I blow some hot air out my ass right into the podcast. Uh, we're talking about the <laughs> redesigned Microsoft web site which was they wrote a lengthy blog post about the website when they redesigned it episode 15 andy makes a dump prediction one of the most interesting parts of this to me was that they mentioned in the article that responsive design is is a bleeding edge subject and it truly is like the the best practices are changing every day and it's still something we're kind of figuring out and even deciding whether or not if it's the best way to proceed into the future of multiple screen sizes and so i thought one of the most interesting facts of this whole redesign was that Microsoft, such a big company, was hanging its hat on this thing, which could ultimately be a trend. You know, we could look back a year from now and say, wow, why did anyone ever do that? It didn't make any sense. We could do this other thing instead, which I hope is a dedication to being flexible and evolving as the the market and the web evolve, but could become a liability quickly if Microsoft is not willing to to continually reinvent itself as, uh, as the market demands. And I don't know why I said that, because that's stupid, because responsive web design is not like cutting edge technology, like the very most fundamental unstyled web page is already responsive. We just break it as dumb designers by trying to add in columns and navigation and bars and crap that make it not responsive anymore. So I think I just said that because it sounded smart. And I kind of formulated it in my head. And then it came right out just because it sounded like a smart thing to say. 
but it wasn't actually smart at all. It was just a dumb <laughs> thing to say, and you all didn't call me on bullshit, so this is just as much an indictment of you as it is of me, because that's a dumb thing to you say. You know what's funny? I remember that moment. I do remember that moment, and I remember thinking, I don't know if this is true. Like, I, it's, it probably sounds like I'm lying right now, but I, it does. I, I swear, I swear. I honestly remember that moment, and I honestly remember thinking I should dispute this. But sometimes the way you say something is so confident and yeah, loud yeah. that I just – it's really hard to disagree with you. And I don't – This is a problem I have. I don't always – there are times – like that Hessian episode, I disagree with you a lot, and I'm very vocal about it, and I probably yell at you a lot. Yep. That's fine. Um, I like being yelled at. turns me on. No, it's good. It's good. Well, wow. I also have a way – I don't, it's not to the same degree, but it does come up a lot in my life where I'll just say something very confidently. People will just listen to me. <laughs> yeah. And they probably sense. shouldn't have. Yeah. You have like, just also tapped on like the biggest problem in my relationship, which is that everything I say sounds like it is 100% concrete, perfectly formed, like totally considered done, which is not the case. It's just me speaking my mind, which is oftentimes not thought out oh, and me thinking out loud. This is, yeah. this is a little eerie because, you know, this is a huge problem in my relationship as well. This is great. We and can talk this, about it. This comes, up, this comes up a lot, in usually in the car, where I'm like, oh, it's this God, way. The and then worst. I turned. And then she's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait, you don't even know where we are or what we're doing. I, like, we were in her hometown recently. And I was just like, here's the way to go and turn. And she's like, I literally grew up here. I'm like, what? I... You don't know nothing of Asheville. See, my, mine's a little more subtle than but that. I, uh... Mine's a little more subtle than that. But like, And I'll just turn. I'll commit to it. And I'll be very confident about it. But I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. See, I was just very confident about doing yeah. it. See, my, mine's a little more subtle where it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever done that before. But the, the conversation mm-hmm. will be like, oh, what should we have for dinner? I'm like, oh, maybe we have some pasta. And then she's like, oh, okay, I, I guess we can do that. And I'm like, well, what do you want? And she's like, well, it seems like you really wanted to have pasta. And I'm like, no, I just said maybe <laughs> pasta. I don't like the things come out. That was the, that was the first thing that ended up in your head. Well, it's just, I, I think my, and I, I, I should be careful here because like as much as I think this is a weakness of mine, it's also, it works out well for me in life. When things come out of my mouth, they sound totally committed and like a hundred percent true and like they are like they're done which is not like that's not the case 95 percent of the time i think it helps me when i go talk to clients and stuff because i can talk about our business and they're like this guy knows what he's talking about he's talking in a charismatic way and his voice is loud but when i'm talking about what maybe we should do for dinner or what i want to do for our next vacation it sounds like i've made the decision already and she's like well i don't know what i can do because you've made the decision already i'm like no i'm just speaking this is just how i speak you have to accept that everything is not formed it's complicated. But yeah, so you guys should call me out my bullshit more because that thing I said about responsive web design is some stupid bullshit. Why would I even say that? We should call this <laughs> yeah, segment, we know. should call this segment, who the fuck is that guy? Who is that guy <laughs> that said responsive web design is a cutting edge trend that might be gone in a year? Yeah, that does sound like a dumb thing to say. That guy's a dickhead. Well, for what it's worth, I did disagree with you at the time and I didn't say anything, so that's on me, but I continue to disagree with you, so I'm telling you now. I think that was a dumb thing to say, Andy. Yeah, and can we just, again, very quickly just note One last time. The web was inherently responsive until designers broke it with CSS. Just keep that in mind, designers. (laughs) Every time you're like, oh, responsive web design is so hard. Just remember, if you didn't write any CSS, it will be responsive. You'd be done. You just broke it with your stupid bullshit. I actually was thinking about that when I was making Soundboard Dan, where I was like thinking about adding in all kinds of like responsive elements. And I thought, oh, if I just let all the heads stack next to each other and then ref... They'll just automatically resize with the browser, and I don't do anything more. Yeah, it will flawless. be responsive. Yeah. 
Disp- and then I just stopped working. And then it, it if you open it on your phone, there'll just be two heads side by side all the way down. Just like a responsive website. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. 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 <sighs> so anyway, I say dumb things sometimes and I wish that uh, I didn't, but... That's just part of we all thinking say dumb out loud. Sometimes, but it's part of thinking out loud, man. For what it's worth, I think I don't think we'd have much of a podcast if you didn't just confidently say things from time to time. So <sighs> I, I don't like know it. How I feel about I still that. like it. Mm. I mean, I, I like the podcast, so I guess I feel okay about that. But maybe I wish it wasn't hinged on my repeatable, predictable ability just to say stupid things without thinking about them. I think it through as you talk. You know, you gotta you gotta go with what you got, right? This is what I've got. Yep, I'm gonna go with it got a good thing andy i wouldn't be too worried about it can i just say one thing yeah of course you said many things things, but this is a podcast this is where we say things this is our say thing venue i'm very proud of the both of you for not doing the thing that everybody every podcast in the world seemed to do this week which is making a joke about the super bowl and how you don't like sports and you don't understand it and who are the two teams playing? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I, I didn't know the Super Bowl was this week, so how can I make a joke about it? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Every Look, I understand that the, the overlap between nerd and podcast is huge. Uh-huh. I understand that. And I like a lot of podcasts. But I can't deal with one more podcast talking about how they don't care about the Super Bowl, and they don't like it, and they don't know who's playing, yep. and it's stupid. No. But then they spend 10 minutes. Yeah. You know who likes podcasts? People that spend a lot of time alone. That's who likes podcasts. <laughs> So I feel like I feel like a man, a man alone in, in that I like football and I also like nerd stuff yeah. and they don't. I feel like I'm, I'm betraying. Ooh, I'm that. I'm a beautiful flower. I can be multiple things at once. Blah, blah, blah. Look, just because wow. you guys don't understand sports stuff. Dan read a sports thing today and he didn't die. Yeah. And it was a really good sports thing. Listen, circa really 2006, Andy could have probably taken you in fantasy football is all I'm saying. But circa nope, 2015, nope, Andy nope, 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 doesn't nope, know nope. really good at fantasy football. Who that guy was back I've then. I made it to my championship two years in a row in fantasy football. Don't ask me how it went, but I did make it to the championship. <laughs> can we talk? Can we talk briefly? I did this thing. So, in this talk I'm giving in St. Louis uh, and the the dry run I gave to these mega students, I'm leaning towards just talking about my personal experience and kind of putting it all out there and letting people process it however they want because I feel like mm-hmm. it's more wrong of me to think I have some beautiful objective idea to translate and communicate than to just give my experience and be done with it. So what I did was I went online and I tried to find the oldest things I could find of mine that I had posted online of any kind that were still Mm -hmm. alive. Most of these things are on a forum and I was confronted with these posts, 7,000, 8,000 posts. I made him this forum when I was in high school. Is this the Dave Matthews Band forum? This is the Dave Matthews Band forum. Thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate it, Dan. <laughs> I made, but I, I like, I, you know, I found it. I logged in. I got all of my posts. I started going from the oldest posts to the newest posts. And um, among other things, like I found my Cafe Press store from 2003, Ooh. which we can put in the show notes because mm. it has some horrible graphic design in it things i have no what's rec- the link tell us the link things i have no recollection of making i don't think it's a i don't think it's a link i can can communicate over voice i think it's a big long scary link oh, okay, um okay. but i will put it in the show notes I, let, me, let me find it and send it to you uh thank you but i, I the reason i posted and i put on the reddit this week 
that post called uh, I Have Died Many Times, which was all about how as we sort of grow and evolve as people, we don't necessarily like move linearly from like one type of person to another type of person. We sort of keep all that history. We kind of oftentimes forget a lot about ourselves and just like jettison it as we evolve and change. And I think in many ways, I kind of jettisoned this part of my personality that I had when I was in high school. And it feels not at all like me. And so it's really a weird, jarring experience to like go on the internet and read these words that I typed when I was in high school that I know was me, but doesn't seem at all like me. And uh, it's a very upsetting thing. And this kind of, I have this piece I put on the Reddit talks about how this person is afraid about how much the internet allows our history to follow us and sort of prevents us from jettisoning these past parts of ourselves. But uh, I was confronted with... It is an with, important part of growing up. I think it's yeah, like... Mm-hmm. To like just, it's, just throw away that old person. Get, get rid of it. <laughs> just, and I do find... Honestly, I do find like the things I get the most upset about are things I definitely used to do. Like oh, if it has sure. no relationship <laughs> we've, to me we've talked about at this. all, I probably don't care. But if it's very much reflective of a thing I used to do and I don't want to do anymore, I'll be very mad at it. Like That's probably the thing I'm going to be mad at the most. Which is very obvious and transparent, but it it isn't as clear to you when you're doing it. Usually, yep. like I feel like I'm I'm legitimately experiencing angry thoughts, and then then later being like, uh, I know why because I used to do that. Oh man, you managed to find something on Cafe Press. I noticed. Did you? I just... found it. Well, all I did is I typed cafepress.com/slash Andy Mangold, and turns out I wish that was yep. I wish that was harder to find. <laughs> but I posted a link to my entire store in there and. Boy, oh boy. I, Abstract. I butt shape art. Guitar collage. Lots of guitar stuff. Lots of... It's just Damn, like... son. And this is obviously bad art, which in, in one way... Like, again, like, me being transparent about this makes me feel good because then I can not be accountable for it anymore. It's like, here's this horrible thing in my past, and it's like this gross phase I had to go through, but if I just share it with everybody, then it's gone, it's free, and it's not on my shoulders anymore. <laughs> But uh, I will not share with you the posts from this forum, which are much more horrifying and personal. And, like, I don't know, it's just so, so gut-wrenching to be confronted with, like, your, like, self going through puberty on a forum, on the oh, internet. God. And at, at the time, I remember thinking, like, and I had, like, you know, people I were enemies in this forum with that were always, like, trash me, and we got in flame wars all the time. I had people that were my friends. And when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, my imagination was that, like, we were all equal peers in this sort of environment. And going back and reading it now, it's like, I was the dumb kid. And these were all, like, college students that were, you know, or maybe even young adults that were, like, the people that were my friends were, like, feeling pity on me, basically. And just, <laughs> and just being like, this poor kid needs some, needs some help. And I go back and look at my posts, and these people are like, this fucking kid is the worst why are we even talking to him? And the people that are there helping me are like the nice people that realize I'm just a child. Uh, and it's just, it's really hard to read that as an adult. It's really intense. I like to imagine that everybody, all these people you're talking about, like they don't like Dave Matthews Band, but they know if they, if they go to the Dave Matthews Band forum, they're going to find confused children that they need to help. <laughs> oh, God. There's one place you're going to find con- confused young men. It's going to be a Dave Matthews Band forum. Let me tell they're you, they're going to have to. They're going to have to turn those visors around, take those flip flops off, and point them in the right direction. Matt, fear not. These people truly love the Dave Matthews Band. There is no doubt in my mind.
make me happy, Dan. Just make me happy. So this is something that came out recently. It's a uh, three things in a series of uh, synth instruments. Basically, it's a company named Teenage Engineering makes synths. They make uh, loudspeakers. They make like wireless volume knobs. Uh, a bunch of like high end. Uh, music stuff and it's always really pricey like their their main synth is something like eight or nine hundred dollars so it was interesting to see that they they came out with this project and it's called pocket operators and essentially they're they're tiny little like pocket-sized synths Uh, and the the reason why i am so interested in these things is because kind of i guess the process behind these things being made in the first place because you can make a really small synth and they're going to be crappy they're going to be limited in their abilities to either make sounds or uh you know remember a progression or whatever and these things are actually pretty dang complex but the way that they design them is super interesting because uh instead of trying to tear down features to make it cheaper or to make uh, crappy, uh, use crappier materials or things that are just cheap. Uh, what they ended up doing was uh, reducing the the actual object, the thing that you purchased, down to basically the the board itself, like the the PCB. And uh, they put on just really standard buttons for everything. It's really raw. There's no casing, and that's it. And what's really nice about it, too, is that it just feels very different from other synth machines. Because you think of it as, like, this big board with a keyboard and all these different buttons, and it's all terribly complicated. But, yeah. like, this this looks like a little, almost like one of those pocket calculators. Um, and it's kind of funny, too, because all of them have a different screen. Or they all have a screen, but they all have different um, things on the LCD that are kind of put in place. Like, if anybody's old enough to remember the old Game & Watch uh, handheld games, it's a lot like that where it's like preset things are on the LCD and either they're active and on and you see them or not. And what's even nicer is that all of the imperative stuff to get this thing to function are all stored behind the screen. Uh, so it's just, it's like nice and compact. Everything's very practical. Like even part of the board has the, the retail hanger on the top. So they don't have to add anything else into the packaging. It's just there. Mm. So what do you, what do you do with this thing? So like I, you said, our understanding of a synth is like a big keyboard, yeah. right? That is my understanding of a synth. I don't know a whole lot more about it. What are you supposed to? What are you supposed to do with this thing? And like, I, I guess the the brilliance of it is like stripping down so much that anyone can afford this little thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm assuming the audience is like pretty used to making their own stuff, right? They're kind of used to this. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Put, they're used to putting things together. So what are you? What are you going to do with it? Like, do, are you playing it by pushing little tiny buttons, or are you turning it into something else? No. So you can actually start here, and and there's some sample videos that I definitely recommend to check out because it makes a lot more sense when you see it. But you actually can like there's one for uh, rhythm, there's one for sub, and there's one for factory. And like the rhythm one, you literally are making a a complete beat, and it can have multiple progressions and everything. So you can get it down to like something that you because there's a little eighth inch uh, head uh, headphone plug, and you can actually connect that into something that you would want to have as like a final recording. So this is kind of like something where. Uh, you could be making a song on the go. It can rem- uh, remember things while you're going. You can create patterns. You can create things at different BPMs. And that uh, eventually, if you want to be able to make that into something that's like in a much more professional program or whatever to record, then you're able to just hook it in directly. 
So what makes this better than just like an iPhone app version of it or something? Or a computer. Yeah, uh, I think it's part like sound guys want to have that physical thing. Like I've gushed about the, the key station that I have that I can basically just plug in that use any instrument that I can find software for. And it just kind of like it does everything. Uh, but there is part of it that this still you want like one object to kind of serve a particular function because then it still feels like a almost like a real instrument. Like if you're picking up a guitar, you can't play drums on a guitar. It's that sort of thing. So Dave Matthews plays drums on a guitar. His guitar <laughs> playing is known for being especially percussive. He's got a very percussive rhythm guitar playing style. I'm sure he does. Andy, when you do the callbacks, it makes it much harder to edit out the part where you talk about Dave Matthews Band for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So anyways, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm going to lose all my clout points. D- Dan, what I want to know is like, what makes this particularly brilliant? Like, I, I get the sense <laughs> that I'm hearing it in your voice that this thing is fantastic. Yeah. But like, what, it, what is the... Th- What's the thing? So, What's the one, thing? One, it's cheap. It's like it's real, like professional synth stuff that is cheap, and that's really hard to come by, especially at a better quality. <laughs> and Andy's just giggling in the background. All I said is, "Sorry, I know. I'm sorry." Please continue. <laughs> I'll stop. But um, I don't know. It, this is more less of me as a designer, even though like the considerations that they did of not putting this thing in plastic casing up front to make it cheaper rather than just making everything cheaper. Like that's, that's one part of it. Me as a musician, like it's super interesting because it's something that is mobile. Like I don't have to have a degraded thing. It's not like something where I could play it on, play with an app on my iPhone and go, Oh, that's a nice idea. I have to translate it into like big kid instruments like that. So this is really a big kid synth. This is you can do everything you really want to do with yeah, it. Yeah, and like the the cool thing too is that uh, you can hook all three of these things in together and have them synchronize. So they're all like you know mm. sixty bucks a pop. That's one hundred and eighty dollars if you get all three. You, you tie them all together and you have essentially like a really good setup that does three different parts of a song, like right there. And you can take them all with you. It's not like you know a, a normal synth where you have to pack it into some like you know, road case or, or soft bag or something like that and lug it with you. Did you buy them? Not yet. I think I'm going to soon, though, because, like, I've been playing around with uh, kinds of music that would relate to, like, having to need this sort of thing. So... Uh, what if you're wrong and they're bad? Then I will we'll return them. <laughs> but... I don't it's, know, a I very, just, it's a very logical response. Yeah, I love the idea, that, though, because I mean, like you, can, you can actually spend more money to buy what would normally be like a normal plastic casing around it. And I just love the idea that they said, like, oh, we'd rather just make the core thing super good quality, make it a good price, and if somebody wants to put casing around it or like try to fluff it up, then they have to pay more. Like, you don't really see that that often. So, you re- so I mean, we're really talking about the idea of this thing, right? Because you don't have it, so you don't know if it's great or not. But the idea of it is this thing that is transparent that is you know pared down to the absolute minimum that will deliver like the sort of meet the needs at no no extra ornamentation and fluff which i think is yeah. is an admirable idea right yeah totally yeah, yeah beautiful i hope you get it and play with it and make great things This has been On The Grid, episode 100. 
This week, I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. Go to iTunes, look up On The Grid, type On The Grid into the search bar, find our podcast, and review our show. It helps a lot. Uh, every time we get a review, a rating, our ranking goes up on iTunes, and it helps other people find the show. So if you haven't, and I know we haven't gotten a review in a couple of weeks, so there's got to be a couple of you out there that haven't yet, show us some support, find us on iTunes, give us a review. Well, give us a good review. If you're going to give us a bad review, don't bother, but give us a good review, and we thank you. Thanks to Blank and Kit for the interlude music, Girlfriends for the theme music, and finally, thank you to you for listening. Until next week. Owen, never count out Touchdown Tom. Did you guys know there's a design competition apparently every year that some design magazine or something does where you have to take a cork from a bottle of champagne and the wire and the metal cap and using just those raw materials make a little chair? <laughs> no, I did not know that, but that's kind of fun. It's wow. apparently a gonna, thing. Are you making a chair right now? No, I'm not going to do that because I'll get really distracted from the conversation. But that's the thing. I'm going to find out where that, who actually does that and put that in the show notes for this episode. Hey, I, I edited that stove one into something, so I feel like I can I can do anything. Yeah, I started posting stove-related topics into the Reddit now, because people have been asking me. Really? Yeah. Did people, I can't tell. Do you think people like that one? Uh, most people that said something about it seem to enjoy it. I think they basically said they wouldn't want that to be every show, which is not the plan. <laughs> Still, well, I would, I'd be hard-pressed to imagine every oh. show being stove talk. Well, I mean, on the grid could refer to the grid on top of the, of the stove burners, so we're... Mm, right on the grid there, you know what I'm saying? Hey, speaking of show artwork, we could just do that. that Your new stove easy. podcast, stove talk podcast. Yeah, we'll just we'll make some show artwork where it's the it's a very ornate griddle on top of uh, some burners, and in the the griddle is the words on the grid spelled out in the shapes of the lines. Good work. That's a free Tomorrow idea. Job is done. Free uh, idea. <laughs> <laughs> free idea for you. I am gonna spread this around though. This is actually pretty fucking funny. Okay, thank you. That's all I wanted. Yeah. How many thank people you. get a thing like this made in their honor? Think about the hours that Matt spent toiling away to make this for you. I know. It even has a little blink. I, I'm looking I, at that. Okay. All right. I will say. The blink tag doesn't even exist. I had to figure out a way to come up with no, a, a it, workaround to make the blink tag work again. It, all right. It does exist. Technically, it's supported, but none of the browsers actually do it anymore. Oh, Wait. Who wait? HTML supports it still, and it's just the browsers that don't support it. I thought it was the opposite. I thought that it mm. was not in the HTML spec, but all browsers still <clears> did <throat> it, even though they weren't supposed to. I, I'm looking this up. It doesn't Anyways, matter. I talking. did. Yeah. If you Google the blink tag, by the way, Google just blinks every single word. I thought that was fun. Oh, Google, That's you're a so cute. I found out. Oh, Google, you're such a cute giant corporation that owns all the data <laughs> in the world and is going to lead to our dystopian future. You're so cute. You use Windows? Yeah. When do you use Windows? Uh, I have it as a partition on my Mac. Was it for gaming primarily? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but also some other stuff too. Uh, I, hey Dan, have you played? Have you played the game Shovel Knight? I have not yet, but I know it's supposed to be great. I read about it. And I kind of want to play it. It's really good. The soundtrack is amazing. So Wait, you just said you haven't played it, but it's really good. Oh, well, yeah, because I've had a lot of friends who have played it, and I trust okay. their sensibilities on it. But okay, well, that was a total. I recognize Shovel Knight. Did yeah, yeah, yeah. did Satchel like a bag Drake's 
talk about Shovel Knight or something. Even, that's I, that's where I got Shovel it. I got it. I watched one of his videos finally. I watched his Mega Man versus Satchel Drake. Yep. yep. Yeah. He's a smart dude. Did you thoroughly enjoy yeah, it? You're, I thought it you're was welcome. Good, yeah. yeah, it's good. But that's been one of my favorite Dan suggestions. Mostly his whole like mo just makes me warm and fuzzy he's like i'm learning about things and i'm sharing it with people and if you want to learn more about this thing you can watch my videos like that's just the best the best the best there's no ulterior motive so good i don't understand here's the thing about that like i i there's nothing about dave matthews himself just as a guitar player that like should spawn that culture oh i disagree i I don't know how those things what what about Dave Matthews? Like, it's not like Sublime or something, which seems to have the same culture. I think. No. Like, see, what, here's the thing. What about Dave Matthews made that a thing? So, like, what? The, what is, why are we having this conversation? You're gonna make me explain this. Sorry, I'm making you do. Look, this. here's you, the deal. <laughs> but I, I do not listen to Dave Matthews anymore. I think the music is. I don't listen to like jam band music anymore. To me, it's kind of droning and boring. But truly, Dave Matthews is a very I. Uh, ingenious guitar player he does he plays guitar in a way that is different from the way that almost any other musicians in pop music play guitar extremely rhythmic he just makes up chords and invents them off the cuff uh his guitar work is very interesting and complex compared to other guitarists in similar genres which you know it's basically a lot of chord progressions and his songs are actually very interesting and the reason i love the guitar to this day is because of dave matthews and because of the music he wrote and the songs i played there was a time in my life where i could play every single one of his songs uh from memory that is long past, but there are so many interesting progressions, interesting sort of patterns and riffs, and he truly is a very interesting and unique uh, guitarist. Uh, all of his like music tastes aside, right? Like you can leave the twenty-minute songs with the eight and a half-minute like jam sessions out. You can leave the weird, especially touchy-feely songwriting out. Um, he actually is a very sort of interesting and unique guitar player, and this whole forum sprang up around. Uh, tabulature for his music because it was so weird ah. and hard to sort of compose and sort of map to tabs <clears throat> that this was basically started as a community to just create tabs of his music and then it grew into a much wider sort of thing. Um, so as much as I will reject that culture at every turn now, I have to admit that there was a reason that I got involved in it and it's because like that is why I like acoustic guitars now because when I was playing when I was a kid, you know, the, your options are play rock music, which I never liked. I never liked alternative rock or hard rock or any of that or classic rock any of that stuff never really resonated with me uh or it's like play folk music which is chords and here's your gcd over and over again forever uh and and dave matthew's band is something very different he's got a very different approach and his songs are very compelling and i I bet if you were to sit next to me and i were to play some dave matthew's band songs on guitar you wouldn't know they were some like hippy dippy pot smoky stupid droning songs you would just think wow that's a very interesting crazy beautiful guitar song and that's what it is but that's just part of the culture. Why can we edit this all? <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it in a later point. That's fine by me. It's its own after dark. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> you can include it if you want. But you got me drunk on champagne and had me defend the Dave Matthews Band to you. What the fuck? How did you do this? You tricked me. I won. Son of a I bitch. Was, that was a long wind up. over, guys. Fuck. The ruse is up. I finally did it. It took a hundred episodes, but I finally did it. God damn. I can't believe you got me to talk about Dave Matthews Band. Son of a well, fucking bitch. There you, go. you should keep it all in. I'm telling you that now because I might, I might later on say take it out, but I'm telling you right now on tape, keep it all in, Matt. This is what the people want. I can't take it out. You referenced it too much to take this it out. This is what like the people every, want. If I take it out. They're asking for it. If I it. take it out, then people will not understand the reference that you make. 
you will understand the reference that I make. This is good. This mm-hmm. is a good episode, maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe it's a bad episode. Oh, we'll see what happens. Either way, we'll episode. get back on track with our normal episodes next week. This is a fun exception to the normal rule. It's our 100th episode. <laughs> my, my girlfriend just walked in and stared at me and goes, why are you drinking a bottle of champagne? Oh, it's going to be water. I poured some in her glass and now it's all bubbles. I thought you just had some small existential <laughs> crisis or something. Out of nowhere. Well, no, I did she, think for a moment. I, I like, never oh drink. God, so she happened. came home and I'm two thirds of the way through a bottle of champagne. She's like, what the fuck happened? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like that? You met your eyes said it all. Anyway, do you want some less bubbly champagne? Look, guys, I drank all the champagne. Oh, hey, look, you're back. Oh, wait. Good work there, Andy. Oh, there he is. I drank it all, and I have Hi, the Andy. champagne bottle. Oh, wait, he in froze. My, in my eye socket. Oh, it's gone. I dropped it. Oh. oh, he's back. Wait, what's with your eye? It had a it had a champagne bottle top in it, but then it fell out. Yeah. Looked like you had a black eye. I was wondering how you gave yourself a black eye from the beginning of the show to the end. <laughs> nope, I'm still sitting down. Everything's safe and good. Okay. But I did, I mean, my, Good my girlfriend had a, a glass, but then the rest of this bottle is empty now. Oh. 